Hi, this is Pamela Adlon, and you're listening to Radio 8-Ball with Andras Jones. Welcome to Radio 8-Ball, give us a shake. We're in the studio, tempting fate. Wherever you are, putting questions to the songs which we will randomly select here with the help of our friend, Synchronicity. And now it's time for the Radio 8 Ball Show. Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions like picking musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andras Jones, hanging out here at Starburns Industries, drinking Mezcal with Opium Moon. Say hi, Opium Moon. Mezcal. Mezcal. (laughs) (laughs) And we just had a fantastic session with Larry Miller. We're going to have a cavalcade of talented, soulful, insightful people joining us. All invited by Lily Hayden. And now we are joined on the line from an undisclosed location by a woman named Lucy Webb. Well, welcome to Radio 8 Ball, Lucy. Hey, welcome indeed. I am so thrilled to be with you guys. Uh, this is very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Now, Lucy. when Lily described you to me, First of all, you're an, you're a very impressive person, but the way she described you was was so in keeping with this show's theme of just like very it's sort of a sacred soulfulness, and so it got me very excited to meet you and to have you here. How do you how do you know Lily Hayden, Lucy? Well, I am um, I go way back with Lily, and I'm happy to say that um, I drove her to many music lessons when she was learning uh, to play the violin when she was little, but I was best friends with her mom, and so I got to see her really go from um, a young musician who was always passionate about the instrument, and I've, I've watched her grow up and evolve and turn into the master artist that she is. It is an impressive... She, she's, been, she's, an, she's become a very impressive person. Well, she, is quite, she is quite <laughs> impressive, and she's a certainly an L.A. fixture, I think, on the music scene. I think anybody that really is in the scene in a a deep way and an authentic way knows who Lily is and knows who all of these musicians are. Uh, You know, you ask around and people are very much aware of them. So it's so exciting to see them come together and make this uh, music that they've made that is so unusual and singular. And Lily... Tell us, how did you, I mean, obviously it sounds like you met her when you were just a, just a pup. Yes, uh, but first I want to um, just make it clear that I'm here with Opium Moon. She, she made that, she said that. Uh, which I'm, but I just want to, you know, give uh, proper, you know, respect. Um, this is M.B. Gordy on percussion, 
Itai Disraeli on bass, Hamid Saidi on Santour, Persian Hammer Dulcimer, and uh, and it's my honor to be the, in this collaboration. And uh, and Lucy, as she said, was was best friends with my mom, Lotus Lotus Weinstock, the great, the great comedian, comedian and singer songwriter, and. Um, and humanitarian, and absolutely, and uh, and sage, and uh, and Lucy was there. I remember playing you something when I was about fourteen. Um, it was like right before my violin lesson, and you said you need to practice. <laughs> <laughs> you better go practice. <laughs> I got. I actually got that from uh, Lily's mom. She was very good about making. Uh, Lily practiced, and, and Lily would go in and practice anyway, but uh, that was, uh, she was a stern taskmaster when it came to practicing. It was just something you had to do. And it's, and it, listen, it's not easy uh, growing up listening to someone practice the violin. Oh, yeah. I remember practicing this one concerto. I think it was the Bruch Concerto, and my mom insisted that Bruch hated his mother. <laughs> <laughs> but this this collaboration that they have um, put together is it's just really so interesting and beautiful. And I think what's so interesting about it too is it highlights every musician. Um, it, there isn't one specific sound that comes out, but the collaboration of all the instruments. It makes for a really hypnotic music. But I'm, I want to find out a little bit, you know, I mean, I, I love this band, but I get to, we're getting to hang out through with them for the whole episode. I want to know more, a little bit more about the, about Lucy Webb. When you were hanging out with Lotus, were you part of the comedy scene? Oh, I was very, yes, I was in the comedy scene years ago. Uh, I started in New York City doing comedy, doing stand-up comedy in a comedy team called the Rinse Do Too, and uh, we did all the clubs, and that's where Larry Miller and I actually met uh, at the comic strip in New York City, and we did the improvisation and Catch a Rising Star and oh, everything from the Big Apple to clubs out in Jersey. Um, we did about six clubs a night, so you would start at 10 o'clock, and you would wait to get on stage at midnight, and then you would do clubs until 2 o'clock in the morning. You'd walk home at 3 a.m., and then you'd get up at 8 a.m. and work a straight job. So it was, there was no money back in those days and no cab fare. You, you did it for the love of it and uh, kind of really separated the wheat from the shaft. So I was able to come up in a generation of comedians that really loved the art form, and they were real purists. It wasn't about being a celebrity. It was really about being funny and, and having a great time. And then I went more into the improvisation route in Los Angeles with the Comedy Store Players. And I worked with Taylor Negron and Robin Williams and Bloody Shore. And Kathleen O'Hara guested with us. And Monty Python would come in. And God, Linda uh, Deppercat, Jim Stahl. It was a great, great. Uh, time at the comedy store in the early 80s and then there was just an explosion it was a huge movement and uh, I don't think they've seen anything like that since but uh, it doesn't mean that it won't come back around in another form you know uh, I think comedy's really hot right now but um, in the 90s it turned into a vaudeville kind of situation it, it was so big in the 80s it exploded too much and broke the bank in the, in the 90s and the clubs were overbooked too many headliners and 
and now it's kind of coming back around again. So, it was, you know, it was a great period, and I loved doing improv, and then I got into producing, and I worked out at Warner Brothers for a while, and then moved into the nonprofit sector and really trying to help and elevate the women's issues um, for the last 15 probably years. And I've uh, been up at Sundance Film Festival talking to female directors and trying to elevate their voices. And uh, it's been fun. I'm having a great time and I'm still still trucking. Well, 2019. Uh, now, we, we, we want to get to your question, but I do, I am kind of curious when you say that, when working with Sundance and working with women directors, are there any particular, I have some folks that I'm particularly fans of, but are there any women directors that you have seen through your work with Sundance or that are, that people might not be aware of that you would want to give a shout out to and point us in the uh, direction? There's so many, there are so many great, uh, upcoming um, female directors, and there's just a lot of pure good female directors, period, that aren't up and coming, that have been around. Um, I particularly like uh, Marta Cunningham. I like Liz Garbus. Uh, I like Chaco Amawali, who has just done uh, uh, a work called Solace about um, an African-American girl who has an eating disorder. It's stories we don't see very often. Um, Nina Mintes, I think, is a very talented director. Uh, there's Rachel Feldman. There's just so many. Um, and you just have to keep your eye out and, and watch for them and, and look and see. And, you'll, you know, the work speaks for itself. It's genderless. Yeah, it's, it is a – this – in that, it's it's one of the, when you said working with women's issues, I thought that we because I you know I'm paying attention like a lot of us are to the uh, assaults on reproductive rights. I grew up and my mom was that was a huge issue for her, so I grew up in a house where that was a a major issue. So when you were talking about women's issues, I thought this was going to be a sad story, but then you but you took us into a very positive place, which in that sense it is. I mean, I am so excited right now about how many times I'll go and look at the I'll, the film will run till the end and at the end of just of a film that's just a film and then I see the director come comes up and it's not a man's name and I'm like oh here we are right we're, I remember if, you know it, it, remember the feeling when you saw the hurt locker with Jeremy Renner yeah. a lot of people were shocked when they saw Catherine Bigelow's name come up um, but you know there's just so many women out there uh, that are so talented they just haven't had a a shot in the system to do the work that a lot of their male counterparts have. And and let me just say, there's a lot of males in the business that are very supportive of those women. It's just sort of been the way that it's been, and we're trying to break that paradigm. It hasn't been easy, and it's still, we're, we're facing challenges, and I think that you see what is happening right now in the country with uh, the current, you know, president that we have and the temperature in the country, uh, women's movement has really been active and we, we're, we're facing a backlash, I think, with that right now with all these um, abortion laws coming in various states. I think that in many ways is to be expected. It's, it's another way for people to say, um, you know, those strong white men steal rules. Um, it, things are going to swing when they swing very far left. 
they're going to swing very far right as well. And so my hope is that we can get somewhere in the middle in a compromise where we all agree that we can let everyone have their moment. You know, we have one lifetime. It's finite. Uh, And I don't think that we should penalize anybody in their lifetime. And I specifically don't think we should tell anybody what to do with their lifetime whether they're male or female. So uh, that's my two cents. And, hey, I'll be running for president. And- <laughs> I'll vote no, for you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, why don't we get into the musical divination here? What is your question for the Pop Oracle? Well, I'll tell you what my question uh, is. I love the sound and the tone of the music. It is so hypnotic and dream uh, dreamlike. And what I'm interested in is the dulcimer um Particularly when Lily plays the violin, uh, to me it's it's the same as when Carlos Santana would pick up the guitar. You knew within two two bars it was Carlos Santana, and Lily has that same sort of recognizability with how she's approached her music. It doesn't take long with hearing just three or four strings of her violin that you know it's Lily Hayden. And the dulcimer, and Itai brings in such a sulfurness in the bass. And, of course, you know, Gordy is magnificent in the percussion. The dulcimer is an instrument I don't know that much about, but I just love it. And I'm curious if they could answer uh, where it comes from, it's a string instrument, I I think, and they'll clarify that for me. And so I assume it comes from something like the piano background, but is it a Indian instrument? Is it a Middle Eastern Persian? What What is the instrument, and how do you tune it? Okay. Okay. So, so hold on. Hold on a second. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up. You're, you're going to get an answer to that. But that would this we for the for this show, the format. And you're not the only person who's a little bit confused. It's not really a question for the band. It's more like the kind of question you'd ask a tarot reader. It's a question to like the about something about you and about the world. But I think we would like an opportunity to educate all of our listeners on this this instrument, which is actually not a dulcimer, it's called a santur. Right? Do you want to tell us a little bit? Santur. Wait, hold and on. And they're not the same thing. So no. well, tell us. Hamid yeah. will enlighten us. Yeah, this is santur, uh, Iranian hammer dulcimer. It has 72 strings uh, about tuning the uh, <laughs> It's almost about impossible to, 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 <laughs> to this instrument. All the, I always say uh, the reason that you cannot find a good Santur player is because all the time goes for tuning. There is no time for practice. <laughs> so <laughs> it has 72 strings. Um, this um, we have this kind of instrument all over all over the world, but this one that I play is Iranian Persian hammer dulcimer or Santur. This is Iranian. It's Middle Eastern style of hammer dulcimer. Cool. Oh, it's so interesting because I don't think we hear that instrument a lot in in American music. So that's um, why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why you're there. It's, it's just it's, it's so beautiful all together. So the well, question I'm supposed to ask. He's an exception. The question player. I'm supposed to ask is uh, yes. Um, 
Well, I suppose I would ask, since uh, Lily and Eastside is really are married now, will there ever be any children? <laughs> oh, that's that's a that's your mother's friend asking a question. That's for sure. Okay. Well, now that's Aunt Lucy asking a question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, now to engage the Pop Oracle on your behalf, I'm going to spin the Wheel of Eight. Na, 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 na. Wheel of Eight. <laughs> it's spinning. Song number five, which is Caravan. Mm hmm.
And that was Caravan from Opium Moon, the answer to Lucy Webb's slightly intrusive question. <clears throat> will uh, he die? Well, will I hope that was the caravan to the maternity ward. <laughs> so, that, so the tour has seven hopefully, hopefully I can get a, a great niece or nephew. But listen, seriously, can't you just See the silk blowing in the wind? It feels like they're in the desert. I want to order a kebab and some hummus. It was just deliciously dreamy. And you just see sand dunes and feel like you're going to come upon the Great Pyramid and the secrets to all of the ancient questions. That's what it feels like when you listen to it. It's just Thank you. It's so delicious. Now, did you have, when you were listening, because I, I love it, that's your impression. I, this is this is how we're having to do, usually we, on the show we have singer-songwriters, and it's all about lyrics and the, the ideas, but with this we get to be transported and use a different part of our mind. So I'm curious, so those are the images that came up for you. Did you have any sense of how that song related to your desire for a niece or nephew? <laughs> um... <laughs> Well, I don't know if I don't know if my niece or nephew could come out of a camel, um, <laughs> and it, it sounds. But my my images, I just see like these slow moving camels, sort of across this huge sand dune. Uh, should that worry me? I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I don't know. I just find the whole thing so. Um, it's so old. It's 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 biblical. The music. It feels like King Solomon uh, is going to arise. It's 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 uh, it's really it's old biblical Old Testament. Well, I, I'm, that's what it evokes for me. I was when I was playing. I was thinking about well, first of all, how I mean, I'm I I don't have. I don't have kids, but I do have a sense of maybe because I don't or whatever that there's a uh, I relate to the things that I create the things that I do create and I think about how you know they no we are they are creating and birthing this music right in front of us so as I was thinking about that the whole the, the music took on this sensual almost like let's say erotic not pornographic but erotic Quality and I was and when I was thinking and so it made well erotic erotic would mean uh, you know that's how we get to the niece and the nephew well yeah that that's what I'm talking about I was thinking about the interplay between the bass and the violin and it really was uh, in the context of that question if you don't mind in a way I'm trying to save you from having to answer it or address this oh okay never mind you don't have any again busy right now okay Lily you have a good answer yes. There is a sense of a caravan in that kind of biblical sort of sand dune kind of way, um, but because, uh, but it was really in part inspired by the caravan of of uh, you know migrants that we're seeing, and because of climate change uh, and the wars that the U.S. has had a hand in. Uh, so many people are having to leave their homes to flee violence and disaster. And it's, uh, you know, we see this tragic 
you know, we see the tragedy in the world and we see how people in, out of fear lose their ability to be compassionate. And so Caravan was in part sort of uh, a, a sense of um, camaraderie and, uh, in, in, you know, a, a way of musically opening our hearts and, and arms. Um, and in a way, uh, that is to say that the world is our child. And, and to add to this, uh, Lucino, uh, it's another Hafiz quote, but I would think it's Rumi, but he says, if there is a caravan, it is always heading towards love. So in that sense, I think our caravan really combines combines the, the joys and the pains of the world, just like childbirth or just like having children or just like creating anything that comes out of you. So in a way, I think that the music we create together, and you were kind of right to to say that there's a sense of love and eroticism and creation inside of it because it's kind of something we all do together. And uh, and uh, I think those creations have a life of their own, just like children, you know, so I think we are... Oh, I like that very, very much. That's my very talented son-in-law. <laughs> I really like that answer. Thank you. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I, I promised I, to adopt me, actually. <laughs> yeah, I promised to adopt me. And we're going to have Hamid as our son. You know? <laughs> and by the way, uh, Itai has a fully grown son who's also a very talented singer-songwriter, Shir, Disraeli, and, um, and uh, I'm his bonus mom. Yeah, you're going to get to hear about him, too. He's a wonderful young musician. His own band, his own music. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Maybe, well, you know, do, does... Do yeah, his, he wants to come on. Do his songs have lyrics? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's let's get, bring him in. Right. <laughs> great lyrics, too. I'd love to, I'd love to do that. That I, I love... Okay. I am, I... Actually, I have a, I have a kind of a. It's been a theme in the show. There's a very generational show. I mean, obviously because Lotus was such a big deal for me. Obviously that's there. But we talked about Lotus, and Christine asked about her mom, and Moon and her dad were were a part of this. We had Moon Zappa on. So there's just, there is this sense, even though I don't know if a child's going to come out of this session. I, I am very much in have this really strong sense of generational solidarity for sure and i'm feeling like when you're talking like lily is the second mom to this uh, to this one kid and you're the second mom to lily and lotus was was sick with the second mom to me and lotus was a lotus was like a not only a best friend but in many ways like a, a mom to me and a mom to so many people i mean she was a true yep. humanitarian and I mean that uh, from the bottom of my heart. I mean, this was a woman who would take someone off the street and put them in her home. Uh, of course, they stole her televisions and jumped out the window. <laughs> but that's <laughs> that's a different story. That's what that, well, that's what um, comes from what being a humanitarian. I think what you're talking about, though, is, is a birth, a rebirth. And I think that uh, for all of us right now, I think we're all looking for a new direction and a new rebirth in, in our country, and hope, hopefully it will deliver safely in 2020 and uh, give us all a lot of joy. Yes. And now, before we let you go, Lucy, uh, is there yes. anything that you'd like to, I mean, this is going to be coming out in July. Are there any things that you'd like to point our, our listeners' attention towards, creative, political? I would love um, for anybody listening that's a female uh, over the age of 40, uh, we're trying to lift a new organization called Greenlight Women, and this organization is focusing on women over 40 in the entertainment industry that have 
10 years of experience in their craft, and we are, our mission is to promote diversity and inclusion uh, in the media, and it's for women that uh, find themselves at 40, 45 getting marginalized, and uh, it's a community of people that have come together to continue to create and work on ideas and and really, you know, move on. And we have people that are 98 years old that are doing their first film and quite successful at it. So just goes to show you that, you know, age cannot define you, that we, it's a group of age disruptors and, uh, and feel like that, you know, you, you create and live as long as you want and you can work as long as you want. So I would encourage people to please look us up, greenlightwomen.org, and uh, you can look us up on the old Google machine. You know, it's funny when you said that, it makes me think you should, are you familiar with the, the Harry Belafonte song, Matilda? Ma? Yes. Take me money and run Venezuela. Everybody. And, but there's a part when he sings, when he says, women over 40. And then all the women sing, Matilda. And it feels like you should grab that. You should grab that for your, for your organization. Just grab that little bit with the great Harry Belafonte. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, there's, we find that we ha- are getting a groundswell of so many people, people at the DGA, Women on the Steering Committees, uh, PGA and uh, uh, DGA, and uh, just a lot of people that really want to do a lot of creative work, and um, we think there's room for everybody. And when you hire women over 40, you are uh, at the studios or networks, you're part of inclusion. So... Uh, it's it's great fun and it's a great way to network and we hope to do some good work. Well, it sounds like you are, and I'm really glad that you joined us. And I'm just I'm. I had a great time. Yeah, I'm really happy yeah, to connect you, with Scott. Thank you, Lucy. Love you. You are so welcome, and I love you all. And keep playing and creating. Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. We hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. For more info about our show, visit Radio8Ball.com, where you'll find the Radio 8 blog, our Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the pop oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you give us good reviews and ratings, that really helps get the word out. Until next time, I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Wave Show.